Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that we can be here right now. And just as we're singing that song, I just want to encourage you from the youngest to the oldest, the Holy Spirit, God's presence on earth, the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself is here. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, he can impact you if you will let him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force his way in. He comes into the open door that he knocks on. And we say, yeah, I invite you in. Holy Spirit, you can come because you're a good spirit, a holy spirit. Come into my life and do something that only you can do this morning. I open up the doors and I say, come on in. And Father, so I pray for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father, not just on a Sunday service, but all week long, that we would manifest you, Jesus, through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, through power, through the gifts. Holy Spirit, move among your people. And I thank you for what you're going to do this morning. And if you have faith, you said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim and worship team. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to be back. Thanks, Serena and Caden. Great to be back from holidays. Who's had a good holiday? Has anyone ever had a bad one? (laughs) Don't have bad holidays, do we? But when you love what you do, when you love what God's called you to do, it's just like a holiday every day. So it's good to come back to Kalamunda Church. Am I sounding okay, or is it me? Or kind of hearing myself, maybe? All good. Thanks so much over January, Rod and Gigi and Luke preaching the pulpit. I feel so blessed, not just by those names that I mentioned, but by just the people around Sky and myself here at Kalamunda and the leadership and you and the support and the people. And uh, to go away and listen to the podcast and go, man, that's the sort of church I want to go to. Oh, that's right, I'm at that church, so it's all good. So yeah, thank you so much and uh, love what God's doing in and through, not just that, but all, all ministry. Every ministry is important, but we really value our Sundays here at Kalamunda. We value the Word of God. We value what that can do in our lives because it's so powerful. And so we were up at Exmouth, and so we've been sunbaking and enjoying. Uh, I was aiming to go, I don't know where Conrad is, I was aiming to catch some fish. Thank you for the, them hooks. Unfortunately, we fed fish. We just fed fish. So we didn't get that. But anyway, if you caught fish on the holidays, I'm jealous of you. Hey, uh, I'm going to share this morning, uh, sort of finishing off our summer uh, January series, then we're going into a, a new series, but I, I have got a specific, uh, a, a, a exciting word really, but before I do, I just want to encourage us that, um, you know, part of our vision going forward, we're going to hear more about this over the month of February and March, as we have uh, Alpha kicking off, and as we have the church camp in March, and as we have Connect Group Ministry re, sort of re-energizing that, that our heart is really to be a soul-winning church, 
really believe that on my heart. That's sort of what I want to speak into this morning. What does it mean to be a soul-winning church? The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise, that, that God has called us to not just move around from church to church, but to be a church where people who don't know God, who are far from God, come to know God because of us. Uh, because of our ministry, because of the heart we have for evangelism, because of the heart we have to reach out and see people meet Jesus. And so part of that is that it's not just, you know, it's not, not a pastor's job, it's the church's role. And there's many aspects to that, but that we would be empowered. And over this coming uh, few months, so there's going to be an empowerment, especially with the Alpha program. If you uh, haven't signed up for that, if you've got friends that you, you want to invite along, that's a powerful platform for people to really come and to see salvation, see things worked out. And so I'm excited about that. Also, to, to be a church that moves from a crowd to a community. That we, it's not just the crowd on a Sunday, but what community really looks like. And that's why I love it, how, how Serena hosted this morning. You hear our heart, that we are family, that we're just a family, like every broken family. But we're a family on a journey here, and God's doing exciting things. And, and we, we believe the family is healthy and going to grow and grow. Amen? So, so that's just some of that. But this morning, I want to share... Uh, a, a bit about a, a thing I call stolen identity. I'll never forget when I first started ministering to youth, and uh, I may have shared this story before, I won't go through the whole thing, but I'll never forget being really impacted by a young person who was going off the rails, and I didn't really seem to understand why uh, in his teenage years of 14, 15, 16, until one night he came late to youth group and uh, was quite distressed and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, you wouldn't believe it. I knew that his dad had left when he was younger. I knew that he didn't have his father at home. But he said, I hadn't seen him for quite a long time. And I was walking through the shopping center in the city, and I saw my dad walking towards me. I thought, oh, this is a good story so far. And he said, as he's walking towards me, I locked eyes with him, and I was wondering what I was going to say to him as I hadn't seen him for so long. But he just looked at me and didn't recognize me. And kept walking past. And it had impacted him that much. The reason he was going off the rails is because he was struggling to find out where his identity comes from. And he's looking in all the wrong places to find that. And he, long story short, he started to look towards his heavenly father. He started to, to look towards him. He gave his life to God wholeheartedly and ended up leading that youth ministry one, one day. And, you know, God is in the business of giving and restoring stolen identity. It says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus speaking of the devil, the enemy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Notice the language there. He comes and his first intent, if you want to know what he's about, Jesus gives you the description. He is a stealer. He is a thief. He is a robber. He wants to steal. And one of the things he wants to steal is you knowing your God-given identity, who you are in God, who you were created to be and, and why you were created to be. The two greatest days in your life was the day you were born and the other one was the day you found out why. And what the enemy wants to do is like, I don't know, we don't have really wallets anymore, but I, I, I do because I, I kept losing my card. I put it in my little phone thing and I kept losing. So I've got a wallet back. I'm going back a bit. And in my wallet, you can find out all about me. You can find out, you can get my driver's license and find out my name, my identity. You can find out where I live, my address. And, and what the devil tries to do, he tries to get into people's identity, into their wallets. He tries to slip words in there. Instead of living on Abundance Avenue, he says, oh, you live on Lack Lane.
plane or something like that. Instead of living on uh, a blessed street, you lived on cursed crescent and things like that. And he'll try to get you to believe instead of living on, on your loved and, and, a, and God, God forgives you that you are not worthy, that you are a disgrace. And he'll try and fill your wallet to get into your belief system so that he can steal your God-given identity. And that is the, the, one of the greatest things he can steal. He knows that is the greatest thing he can steal. It's what he tried to do to Jesus when Jesus first uh, went into the wilderness. He said, if you are the son of God, what's he doing? He's attacking who God says he is. He, God had just said to him when he got baptized, this is my son. In him I'm well pleased. And he was walking into the wilderness, but not alone. He had a word from God that told him his identity. And so when the devil came to say, if you are, when he comes to steal your identity, the safest place to be is like, hang on, I've heard who I am from my father. And so he wants to steal it. He wants you not to discover that one of the greatest discoveries you'll ever have is self-discovery in Christ. One of the greatest people you'll ever meet is yourself in Christ. And a lot of people haven't met themselves yet. They haven't met who they truly are. And you can tell by our lives. Sometimes our lives reflect, you don't know who you are. And it says who we are in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this in the Amplified Version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. So great to hear of people coming to saving faith over the last month, putting their trust in Jesus to save them. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. You know what? When we say that word, when someone passes away, it's dead. It's gone. It's, 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 it cannot be up again. It's dead. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. There was a st groundbreaking study called the Early Catastrophe. And in this study, it was found that that, uh, that there is power behind the words that are spoken to children at certain times between the age um, of birth and the age of four. The study showed that the more we speak encouraging words to a child in the early ages, the fewer problems they will have with identity and purpose later in life. Isn't that interesting? And so the first thing before Jesus goes into his ministry, he hears the approval of the Father. He hears his identity of who he is. If Jesus needed it, how much more do we really need it? You might say, Brad, I've heard these stuff. I've heard these verses before. But have you got it on the inside? Has it really quickened to you, come alive to you, or who you really are on the inside? Because when we don't know who we are, we are vulnerable to deception. I'm moving to a key verse which I'm so excited about. If you've got your Bibles and tablets there, it's in Genesis chapter 35. And we're going to go there in a sec because it's about a guy called Jacob. See, all through the Bible, God has this habit of re-identifying people. Jacob knew what it was to have his name changed in the Bible. The name Jacob means deceiver, schemer, supplanter. And Jacob would live his life grasping to get his father's blessing, grasping to get that birthright and manipulatively getting the father's birthright, his father Isaac. We've got Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But Jacob had a night where he wrestled with God and had his hip dislocated and would walk forever differently because when you truly meet God, something should change, amen? He should start to walk a little bit differently, like, man, you are different. And he, he, he meets with God and God wrestles with him all night and he changes his name to Israel, which means Prince of God. He said, no longer will you walk around being defined by the past, 
but I want you to know that you're defined by what I say about you. Now, I love that about Jacob, and I love that about how God does that in our lives and gives us a new creation. But what I love even more is what I'm about to tell you. Get ready. Here it is. Genesis chapter 35. I hope you're there. If you're not, look to the screen. Verse 16, talking about Jacob and his wife, Rachel. Jacob and Rachel, then they moved from Bethel. While they were still some distance from, say it with me. Thank you. Just That's how I learn the hard names. If Raf. Uh, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. As she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. Now, the son, she named her son Ben-Oni. Ben means son. Oni means of trouble or of sorrow of my trouble, of my sorrow. And Rachel was naming and giving a permanent future to her son out of her temporary circumstances and pain. Now, I'm not condemning Rachel uh, for doing this as in her last breath as she is dying. Aren't you so glad for modern medicine today and that this is not what we need anyway, like she's giving birth and I'm not condemning her because, um, I mean, I've never died in childbirth and I probably won't, I don't think that'll happen to me. Um, but I have been around childbirth and I have known how hard a woman can grip things during labor. And I know the kind of strength they get and words they make up and promises I try and make. I actually do a whole sermon on it, one each birth, not really. But if you know what I'm saying, I'm not condemning her for this was hard, but Rachel was labelling this child with his future according to son of my trouble. And he's like, he's going to be named, this is his identity, he's going to grow up. And have you ever seen people, you know, when people name their children and you think, man, how are they going to get through high school? Man, how are they going to go survive that? That's why you've got to be very careful when you ask somebody what their name of their baby is because your response is very key. You've got to be very pastoral. You've got to act like that's a normal... But, I'm just, but I love all kinds of different names. Hear me well, I love names. But there are some crazy ones out there. Um, anyway, I'm going to keep moving on. But she's naming him and she's labelling him. And... I don't know about you, but maybe there is some sorrow from the past, some hurts from 2023, some things from the past that threaten to define your 2024, that threaten to define your future. And that is such an important thing that we go into a new year, not letting our history threaten our destiny. Because that's what's happening here. Her history is going to be history in this moment, but it's going to threaten the destiny of, how do you say it? Ben Oni. I mean, have you heard that saying? I remember when I grew up, we used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones. Yes, but names will never hurt me. I want to tell you that is unbiblical. That is a lie from every lie you could get. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I tell you what, you can recover from the sticks and the stones. Your body will heal and recover, but so often we're walking around 20 years later with the trauma and the wounds of words that were spoken in our lives. 
Because they formed identity, they formed belief systems, and then we walk around and yes, we've recovered from the sticks and stones, but we haven't recovered from the trauma of the trouble before. And we give birth to Benoni, son of my sorrow. And so the interesting fact about that meaning, it can also mean son of my strength, Benoni. Now we know in the context it's probably most certainly son of my sorrow in what was going on. And, but so often, isn't it interesting though, great strength is often born out of great adversity, great sorrow. I know when I look around and I see people that have great strength in their life and spiritual stamina, they have been through the mill. They have been through some stuff. They have been through some sorrow. They know what it is like to walk through the hard adversities. But they've come out without a Benoni. They've come out without the hurt, but they've come out with healing and scars. And scars aren't bad. It just shows the place where it happened, but it doesn't hurt when you push it anymore. And, and, and great sorrow often produces great. You think about strength. You think about Jesus. There is no one stronger than the Son of God. There is no one stronger than the one who, who created the universe, who, who on that cross could have called 10,000 angels, who could have saved himself. That, so much strength about him. Yet Isaiah, when he talked about him, said he was a man of many griefs, acquainted with sorrow. Because at the cross, when he would take your sin and my sin and take our shame and take our guilt and take everything, yes, there was the sorrow, but it borne the greatest strength, the greatest strength from rising from the dead and showed that out of great sorrow, out of what you went through last year, out of what you went through in your past, it could be a sign, it could be the marking post that this is where your greatest strength could be if you give it to God. It doesn't have to define you any other way. Don't let that, you know, an event does not define your life. Actually, an event does define your life. It was the event on Calvary 2,000 years ago when Jesus spilled his blood for you. That's the event that defines your life. No other thing you did, no other thing that happened to you, no other thing that went through, you went through, it does not have to give you identity. Amen? So Rachel is going to allow this present sorrow to name her identity, but then something happens, and the text says this, but his father named him Ben, which means son, Jamin. So Rachel passes, catch the story. This midwife is there. The midwife takes the baby, goes to Jacob maybe. I don't know how long it had been. And looks at Jacob and says, oh, I just want to let you know, Rachel, before she passed away, she said the baby's name, she wants the baby's name to be Ben-Oni. And Jacob looks back and says, I don't think so. It's not going to be that. You see, there's a thing in the Old Testament called naming rights. And naming rights, back then, there was the only person that had the right to sign off on the name. You can have suggestions, but the person that gives the child their name is the father. The father would give the child the name, even though everyone can come. And I want to tell you, there's many things that will try and give you a name. Your issue will try and give you a name. Your past will try and give you a name. Your, what you went through will try and give you your identity. Many things can try and name you, but you need to decide who signs off on your identity. You need to decide, is it going to be the father that has naming rights on my life? Because he says, this is my son with him, my daughter with her. I am well pleased. I love you. I love you so much. Who's got naming rights? And 
There's only one person that deserves to have naming rights in our identity, and here at Kalamunda, we know that is God himself. That is Jesus. So Jacob hears Rachel's suggestion. He says, no, his name is Benjamin. Don't you love how the father, his father, jumped in when the baby could do nothing for itself? It could not define itself or its identity, and he started to transform it. The baby was helpless, a little bit like salvation, yeah? We are helpless. We cannot do it ourselves, but God jumps in and says, I'm giving you a new name. You can't do it. It's a free gift of God. And the, and the father, Jacob, jumps in and said, it'll be Ben, which means son, and Jamin, And what would really float your boat this morning, what would really get you excited is if I told you what the meaning of the name Benjamin was. And so the name Benjamin, but before you do, you have to remember that Jacob knew the power of names. You've got to know that Jacob knew the power for names for identity, but not only names, Jacob would often give places new names. So where there was a place called Luz, and Jacob said he changed the name to Bethel, this will be known as Bethel, which means house of God. He changed some other names, which aren't coming to my mind right now, but he did change names of places. Remember, he'd go there, build an altar, and say, now that he knew what it was to change the names of places. So I reckon something in his mind thought, man, if, if I have the power to be renamed by God, if God's given me that power, I'm a new creation, Old Testament, and I've got the power to change the identity of geography, maybe I've got the power to speak over my son and give him a new identity right now. Maybe I've got the words of life that my son needs and he's in this moment and he's about to call those things that be not as though they were. So he looks at this child in an identity crisis where theft is about to happen and he speaks up and says his name is not Benoni, it is Benjamin. And with that breath, he speaks life and because Ben means son and Jamin means... See, before I tell you, you've got to get excited. I want you to get excited about what this means. It is when you see what it means, you see that we have the power, the Bible says, of life and death are in our tongue. They're in our tongue. You either speak life or speak death. And this is an opportunity, this is a pivotal moment. I want to tell you, we as a church need the next generation to have a vocabulary come from us that defines them with God's identity. That speaks life at home to our kids. That speaks life to other people's kids. That speaks life to one another. Not just kids, it's not just generational. Maybe there's some people that are upward in the generation, more senior than, than you, and you need to speak life into them and say, you know what? God is not finished with you yet. We need you here. We need more mentors. We need people that are passing on. You know, Paul said, well, I have 10,000s of teachers, but we need fathers, he said. We need spiritual fathers in the house of God. Speak life. In these pivotal moments, the generations need it. If there's ever been a time that a generation in our society need the church to speak what real identity is, oh my goodness, it is today. It is today. And that is not with harshness and that is not like the the truth with a little bit of love. I'm not talking that. I'm not talking about uh, identity and gender and all these sorts of things. I'm not not saying that we do it harshly, but I tell you what, we need to have a voice that speaks the truth in love. And the truth is God defines your identity, not Facebook, not Instagram, not social media, not other people, not the news, not what uh, the moral standards say, all these things in the government. God defines it, and we've got to stick with that with love and truth. Amen? And that's, we need the Holy Spirit for that. Jacob wanted, before I tell you what Benjamin means, remember Jacob himself 
wanted his father's blessing. Here's where it gets really exciting. His father was Isaac and he got the birthright, of course. But when he went in and stole it, catch that, he stole it. He, in a way, he stole this identity. And he was always grasping it, wanting to get it from the father. He wants it. And he did get it. And when he got it, the father, Isaac, put his hand on his head and he blessed him and gave him the birthright. And when he did that, it was blessing him with all the prosperity that he has, all the power, all the strength, everything that he has would be his. He would be so blessed. So with that in mind, when Jacob comes to this baby, and he says it won't be defined as Benoni, it's defined as Ben, which means son, Jamin, which means of my right hand. It is of my right hand. He will be known. He is son of my strength, of my right hand, son of my blessing, of my prosperity, of every, he will not be cursed with uh, Benoni. He will be blessed with Benjamin. And he is putting this blessing on him, defining his future. He would be the favorite. He would be the one that the father smiled upon. He would sit at his right hand. He would have all the, all, all the things that are access to the father. And I want to tell you this morning, when God looks at you, he calls you not Benoni, not defined by your past, he calls you Benjamin, defined by who God says you are. And that should get you excited for a new year. That was very underwhelming excitement, but I'm getting excited. I'm excited to be Benjamin. Call it Benjamin. I don't know what last year had, and I don't know what the Benonis, the sorrows look like in your life, but you have naming rights. It's not just being given for you, it's been given to you to start naming this new year, start calling it what you're going to call it. This is the year of the blessing of the Lord. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Doesn't mean that we won't have adversity, but out of great sorrow can be born great strength if you use your naming rights and call those things that be not as though they were. I love that. We need to do the same. We need to speak God's plans above human experience. We need to define things, not by the pain and the trauma of the past. Yes, we need to work through that, but we speak and define it, but that we are God. So as I close... As the team come back up, I feel like I'm working up a sweat now. I'm getting into it. This is good. I want to finish on that last verse. I think it's the last slide, Tom. Thank you. Yes, therefore, so this year, therefore, if anyone, just isn't that good news? If anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you. You are chosen. He smiles. He loves you and he wants you. See, see, this is a whole other sermon. I was listening to this. I was away for two weeks. So I've got two weeks up my sleeve, all right? So we just, but, but, you know, the whole world has been forgiven. Jesus died for the sins of the world and, and in him God was reconciling the world to himself, but not everyone accesses that forgiveness. Not everybody has received that. Even though Jesus, that's why when we look at people here at Kalamunda and we're outward focused church, we look at them through the lens that Jesus has. We know that, man, God's not looking at all their issues. He's looking at who they can become. He's looking at what he can do in their life. He's saying, man, look at that mess. I could make some miracles out of that. He's saying, look at that tragedy, look at that trauma. That'd be a testimony when I get a hold of their life. And he's looking through that lens that if anyone, anyone, this is totally inclusive, is in Christ, in Christ, has a relationship with God. You know, it's what you're in, in 2024, that determines how you'll get through. So if we were in a war zone and I had to get from this side of the stage to that side of the stage and there is like mine, a minefield of bombs and there's like people, snipers shooting. And, I, it, 
And, I, and they said to me, Brad, you can either get, get from this side to that side. You've got two choices. You can take a bicycle or a tank. I was like, I'm taking the tank. Because what you are in determines how you get through. And God says you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the hope of glory. But you are hidden in Christ. He is, you are in him. And so when you go through life, you go through in that tank, protected, directed. Doesn't mean you don't get hit at times. Doesn't mean bad things don't happen. But hear me, he's taking you through the valley of the shadow of death. I think I heard some uh, message a couple of weeks ago. We don't settle there. We don't live in that valley. We're going through in 2024. He is a new creation, totally new. I love this quote. It said, Jesus Christ didn't come into the world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people alive. Alive. Christianity is not a band-aid. It's a brand new beginning. Brand new beginning. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And as we do, I want to give you an opportunity for a brand new beginning. For some of us, I want to challenge us. You are a Christian, you're walking with the Lord, but you're not using your naming rights. What are you saying? What are you calling this new year? What is that, what is that Benoni in your past that needs a Benjamin? You need to make a shift and start calling it what God calls it. But maybe you're here this morning. We like to give the opportunity and you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never received that forgiveness and that's something you've never done and this morning you want to do that. In a moment, I'm going to get you an opportunity, give you an opportunity to just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'd love to give my heart to Jesus and we'd love to pray for you and with you after. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Let's pray out of, just out of respect for the Lord and out of respect for other people that God's doing work in their heart right now. So I'm going to open my eyes and pray this prayer in a moment and I'm going to ask us all to pray it together. But hey, if you're here, and you've never done that, and you say, today's my day to give my life to Jesus. I've never been asked him for the forgiveness of my sins. Will you just raise your hand so I can see it and say, that's me. First time I'm doing that. And I'll just have a quick look around. That's you. Yep, see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Yep, see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else want to join the people that have raised their hand? Oh, yep, see that one. Thank you. Yep, Awesome. Great, awesome. All right, we're gonna we're gonna put, stay in attitude of prayer. We're gonna pray this prayer. Just looking around once more, in case I missed anyone. But I think I've got two hands. Let's pray this prayer together. But for those that raise their hand, you're, what you're doing is not a magic prayer. It's simply giving your heart to Jesus, trusting in Him. And so let's all pray it and in faith together say, "Dear Lord, I come to you this morning, a sinner in need of your saving." I have heard today that you love me. Thank you for loving me. So much so that you died on the cross for me. I believe you did that for me. Please forgive me of all my sin. Make me brand new. Thank you for rising from the dead. I believe it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Put our hands together for everyone who raised their hands. Thank God bless you. So wonderful. This is a soul-winning church. And so if you raised your hand, I'd love you, love to meet you after. Love you to come down. We'd like to see if you've got a Bible or anything like that. And we'd just love to be able to um, pray with you and help you connect in. So that'll be awesome. So uh, let me pray a blessing. Stand with me as I hand back to Tim for one last hurrah. All right. Father God, I just thank you for every person here this morning. And we also pray for those that are still away. 
on holidays or maybe having a nice little sleep in today, we pray for everyone, Lord, connected with our church. Would you bless them? Would they know your favour? Would they know that you look at them as the favourite child, that you love them, that you can do that? Father, today we thank you that, that you are with us and for us, not against us. Thank you, Father. I just speak that blessing over our marriages, over our families, over 2024 will be the son of your right hand, Lord, that we would know your favor and blessing and live from it, not for it. In Jesus' name, amen.